the word that I keep coming back to is uplifting. I have this conviction based on my lived experience that uplifting people or the planet doesn't have to be draining. It can actually feel uplifting to the person who's making that impact. So welcome to another episode of Uplifting Conversations, Impact Engagement Podcast. I am thrilled to be here with Pierre Laveau from Seat at the Table today. Uh, welcome, Pierre. Uh, thank you for having me. I've heard great things. Looking forward to really just telling my story and, you know, engaging the audience. Yeah, no, I, w- I would I would love to hear hear your story. And, and big on, I'm big on hearing kind of what's underneath the journey, what, what the motivation is to um, start a company, start a venture. It is not easy. It's heavy sledding. But before we get to that, though, I would love for you to share with folks um, exactly what a seat at the table is and, and what you guys are up to right now. Sure. So seat at the table was established two years ago. We can, we'll get into the gist in terms of like the why, but I'll, I'll give a breakdown. It's a, it's, a, it's what's formally known as an equity crowdfunding portal, um, which means that companies, small businesses can raise capital from their community, their customers, their college friends, their high school friends and so forth at a smaller dollar amount. So historically, in order to invest in a business, which means like traditional venture capital, you have to be an accredited investor. So make $200,000 to have a balance sheet of a million dollars. And you would typically cut a check of twenty five dollars to $50,000, right? President Obama signed the Jobs Act, which allows small businesses to raise capital from what's considered non-accredited investors. So people that make less than $200,000, everyday Americans. And so with that, individuals, my aunts, my cousins, and so forth, can invest in their favorite businesses at smaller dollar amounts, say $300, $500, $1,000 per investment. And they are literally either equity owners and are debt debt holders. So we call it community crowdfunding because it can be equity or debt, but you are an investor in the businesses that you consume or serving the products that you consume and the businesses that you support. So we're one of uh, 60 portals, it's called a portal, uh, and we're, you know, we're, we're governed or, um, by the SEC and FINRA, the same way that, you know, most investment banks are. Um, and so our mandate is really to focus on marginalized entrepreneurs. So you think about uh, people of color, LGBTQ community, right? And so people that are historically in positions where they're not quickly able to receive capital or substantial amounts of capital. And we understand that their journey to entrepreneurship is a bit more nuanced the majority members. So we're open to everybody, but we recognize that there's a community that does not have access to capital. And we'll love to talk more about that later. And on the flip side, um, we recognize that there's a community of investors that typically didn't have access to amazing deals, right? Or just, you know, and I don't want to overstate amazing because I want to, you know, make sure the community knows that you want to do your diligence and do it and, and be mindful of risk. You can definitely lose your money and it's, it's definitely likely to happen. But, you know, the opportunity to participate in deals that they were historically excluded from. So I'll stop there. Let me know if you have any. No, that like I have I have so many questions personally and so much of that resonates. Part of what we aspire to be at Uplifting Capital is a force for democratizing um, investments in underrepresented funds, founders, uh, impactful ventures. But we are at the accredited investor level. Actually, we're at the qualified purchaser level right now. So when we think about you know, these pensions and endowments that are investing in all of these kind of uh, climate venture funds or social venture funds are investing more inclusively. Um, like they've been doing that for, you know, decades now um, in what we call impact investing. And so we think about bringing it down market even to kind of your uh, your wealth private wealth firm or wealth advisory firm. But part of what has needled at me is the fact that a lot of the people who are 
of my community, in my community of origin, people around me, people I know who come to us and say, like, I love what you're doing. I would love to get invested. I have to look them in the face and say, like, you, you know, you don't have millions of dollars or you don't make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So this opportunity is actually not available to you as much as I want to help you build wealth, as much as I want to see your dollars flow into some of this impactful stuff that we're doing. And so I think the gap that you feel is incredible. And I also know it's hard because one of the things that we looked at is, oh, so what would we need to do in order to, to widen this to a broader set of people, non-accredited investors? And it is a hard lift. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, two things. One is that entrepreneurship is hard, is lonely. <laughs> we, we can go round and round on that one. Uh, but just in terms of community or equity crowdfunding, you know, navigating the legal process is very expensive in terms of time and money, right? So like, as I mentioned, we are governed by the SEC and FINRA. Um, their mandate is to protect the community, right? And they do a great job of that and making sure that um, the community is mindful of risk right, in that um, portals or finance shops are, are acting accordingly, right? And so, you know, we were fortunate to have some really, what we call like uh, family members, uh, you know, community members or, or investors um, provide us with capital early on, early on to offset the legal and upstart costs. So the upstart cost is legal. It's a lot of, you know, technology infrastructure that has to be in line with legal as well. There's headcount. And a lot of my job, in this seat, and my team's job is really about education and, and, and quote unquote marketing, right? Making sure that the community knows that we are around, right? And that we are in the business of providing a platform that is dedicated to them. So that may mean going to conferences. It may mean, you know, attending events. It may mean, you know, making sure that I get to know you personally, right? So that, you know, when you do have a call, when you take a call, you can say, hey, I know Pierre Laveau, I see at the table. We don't have the luxury uh, majority members, right, and our, our our portals that are backed by big capital, where we can run tons of Google ads, you know, a million dollars a year, uh, you know, five million or so. A lot of our a lot of our marketing and our our education is literally hand to hand. Us holding class sessions of some sort, right, and really telling the community like, hey, this is an opportunity. We're looking for interesting entrepreneurs, but uh, you know, we're also here to help you as investors think about investment opportunities that are available to you. And there's some other ancillary kind of benefits in terms of connecting other resources that we do as well, which is another differentiator. But to, to wrap up your question, yeah, it's almost impossible. There is a financial hurdle. I think, you know, the SEC had a report um, about seven years ago and it said it basically cost about a million dollars to start a portal, right? And then we need to kind of think about the marketing, the, the tech infrastructure, the headcount, uh, and just like the legal um, back and forth and really just the cost of working with service providers because the reality is it's such a new industry. The Jobs Act was only signed so recently ago, right? Versus capital markets, stocks and bonds and so forth. A lot of the, the, the learning is on the go. And when learning is on the go, it becomes very expensive, right? And so one thing I would love to talk about, um, like a concept that I learned very early in life and it really has played itself out. And um, as an entrepreneur, you know, one of the team members at Seed is that it's very expensive being cheap. Right. And so meaning that if you try to cut costs and or and reality is, you know, we're you know, we're a lean shop. We don't have tons of resources. So we always think about cutting costs. Right. But for 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 marginalized communities that are operating very leanly, very in a very lean capacity and that are forced to like be thought extra, extra thoughtful about how, you know, where the dollar goes, because they understand that there's not as many dollars coming in and they recognize that there isn't a safety net 
um, what's just typical for majority members, right? So there isn't a bailout of any sort. But um, yeah, man, it's almost impossible. We're doing it. I'm always amazed. Every day I wake up and somebody, you know, make may call or text me or email me and say, hey, man, what you're doing is really, even though I call like this, what you're, what you're doing is really amazing because we are like literally like entrenched in the minutia, right? Like it's just like yeah. every day, like we don't really get to like see the value, but we've had, you know, some tremendous wins. Uh, and not from like, um, purely from like a financial perspective. I wasn't even talking about that from that perspective. I'm saying just in terms of helping entrepreneurs who are unable to get capital, find a way to get capital. And so we're very proud about that. Yeah, no, so so with, with the weight of that lift, the, the question that comes to my mind is, is why, right? Like, so this is obviously not, um, it's not necessarily the most lucrative thing you could do from a finance. If you were purely financially motivated, this is not what you would do. And I know, you, you know, um, a, a background uh, uh, with very impressive academic credentials, uh, first generation, everything, you know, you've done investment banking at Goldman, uh, VC, PE, all of that. So you could have jumped off um, to something that was purely financially motivated um, that, that didn't necessarily have all the trials and tribulations rolled up into it that, that this current venture has in. Why? What, so, so, so why do this? What was, what was getting at you? What was uh, gnawing at you? I was about to curse. <laughs> I ask myself <laughs> why every day. It's uh it's exhausting, bro. It really is, man. I've, um, but I've always been somebody that if you know, if, if you kind of like say my name in the professional streets and the streets in general, they'll always say that Pierre was somebody that was helpful. Right? I was always, I've always been, if you're, if you watch who, you know, I don't know if you saw the, the game yesterday, like I'm always a pass first kind of guy. Right. And so like, even when I was a banker at Goldman in that instance, and you, you, you operate in the same capacity where somebody wants to do a deal with you or invest or work with you and your firm, you're like, Oh, like right now, you know, unfortunately, you're not big enough. It's not your rules. You're not big enough. But then the next pivot is like, hey, by the way, I know somebody else, right? And it kind of yeah. keeps people top of mind. And that that just comes so naturally to me. Like, that's just genuinely, I'm thinking about plugging folks. So I've always been oriented in that capacity. And, and so when I was, um, when I worked in New York as a banker for 11 years, um, you know, I, I realized that there was just a, a gap in terms of not only access to capital, but really access to information, right? And so mm -hmm. here I am immersed in this world of like significant wealth, right? Uh, people that have, you know, generational uh, impressive backgrounds in terms of education and, and and Wall Street success, right? And so I'm in those rooms still realizing that my mom and dad live in common. So there was that, there was like that bifurcation, right? But I also realized that many of my community, my community members were not in that room, right? And so I was like, well, you know, what can I do, right? In a more meaningful way, to make sure that I can be helpful. So when I would have small businesses that would say, hey, you work at Goldman, I'm doing X amount of revenue, take us public. And I would say, you probably, I would chuckle just like you did. You probably yeah. need a couple more zeros behind you, but let me introduce you to a middle market banker or somebody else that can be helpful. So when I found out about community crowdfunding in the Jobs Act, I was randomly at a Starbucks in Compton, funny enough. And I found out about it and I just did a quick like YouTube search and I saw like, um, there were a couple, like, they were like basically five main portals, our biggest competitors. And I saw, I saw those, I looked them up and I quickly realized that there were no, no portals that were focused on my community. And so and our, our marginalized communities. And I really want to talk about at some point, like it is a very unique process for marginalized communities. So the go back to the why before we hop to that is that I realized that there was an opportunity to be of service, right. To, uh, to help smaller businesses access capital to help my network, my true friends, be able to, to access investment opportunities as well. And to like really 
um, share information because a lot of it is sharing information. So you may pass up on a deal, right? But the reality is now you get to know about this really cool product, right? That's founded by a person of color that, you know, maybe you want to purchase at some point, right? You may not invest in it, but at least, and so I'm getting that. And on the flip side is I'm helping that entrepreneur get more exposure as well. So, you know, I've always been wanting to think about facilitating economic activity, facilitating economic health or financial health. And this was just one way to go about it. But to go back to your question, man, like I ask myself that every day because it is, it is so exhausting. One, I had, I was on a podcast one day with a good friend named Chris, uh, ex-Georgetown law professor, uh, you know, works uh, very closely with FINRA, very, very like focused on, on financial literacy and FinTech. And he brought this to my attention. I didn't realize he said, Hey, you have, you, you have like, not two strikes against you, but it was like, I forgot how you phrased, but it was like two, two variables. One is that you are a black owned company, right? Majority. Uh, so yeah. diverse minority owned company that is solely focused on helping minority companies. Yeah. Right. And so like, <laughs> it's like, it's double taxing, right. When you think yeah. about it. So like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I have my own challenges and frustrations, but the seat that I'm in, I'm required to empathize and be of service to other businesses that are struggling even more. Right. And so I should have mentioned this at the beginning, the concept or the name seed at the table is a play on marginalized communities, not having a seat at the table. So not being in those wall street boardrooms, right. Yep. And a seat at the table as it pertains to uh, financial opportunities, as it pertains to information, right. As it pertains to just, you know, being resource rich. Right. And so it's very important because I understand how to so go back to the why I understand how blessed I am by having, you know, and I've, you know, I've done a lot of work to get into these rooms, but how blessed I am to be in these rooms. So now I'm like, well, I got to let everybody else in, right? And the best way to let everybody else in is to create our own table and allow people to like to, to, to exchange information and so forth. Every, every aspect of that resonates. It's so, it's so funny. I, I talk about aspiring to show up generously. Like in, in all interactions, it's my aspiration to show up generously. Like, right, I don't, I don't know how that manifests itself. Uh, and I don't know whether that's an opportunity comes directly from me, but it's interesting to me that that ethos leads to uh, founding something because you see a gap, right? Like you see a place where you can show up generously in a larger uh, uh, a way. And there's this larger context where you can be of service or, or where, where you can show up generously. It's like, oh, I, I uniquely have this information. For me, it was being inside this private wealth firm or building this private wealth firm. Wow, high net worth people, ultra high net worth individuals move their money like this. I see all these funds over here, all these fund managers who are doing incredible things, have incredible opportunities. They have no idea how to speak this language. And these individuals want this over here and have no idea how both lucrative and impactful their money could be over here. They're asking me what to do after George Floyd's murder and, and, and they're, want, they're investing in these off the shelf ESG funds. And so being uh, having access to that information and seeing that gap and wanting to show up generously as a filler of that gap is actually what led me to start this. So, so when you talk about having information, being in rooms uh, of, of limited access, and then also uh, being like, I think even being in our community uh, is a place of limited access for, for some of the folks in the rooms that you were in the Goldman rooms, right? Or, or, or in the Wall Street rooms. And so having these two feet in the door for me at some point in my life, was a point of, of stress, right? Like it pulls you in two different directions. People talk about code switching and the duplicity, all this stuff. But I think I think as you move up or or as you become more aware of what your superpowers are, it actually becomes something that you can give to both of those rooms, right? Yeah, I think, you know, man, 
I'm really big on mental health. We'll talk about it at some point. But, um, you know, I, I was there for 11 years, right? And so, like, literally immersed in the world that I did not grow up in to any capacity, right? Like, like literally public school in my life, never went to boarding school. I thought boarding school is where you were. You, like, when you got in trouble, that's where you went to. But now, like, now I get it, right? But, um, and so for me, it's like, I think you come to, also as adults, right? We come to a point where, like, and this is like, regardless if you're a marginalized community or not, it's like, what's really fulfilling you, right? And so like, I was doing extremely well, you know, financial, although New York is very expensive, uh, when I was a banker in New York, but I wasn't really that happy, man. And so like, the reality is like, in this seat, you know, I can still work in finance, right? But I still have a social impact, community impact element to it. And that's mm-hmm. like, that really feeds the the why though, right? I'm kind of chuckle. I was giving, them my, I was giving myself a hard time about like, you know, I, I'm really about the business of helping people, right? And so this is just one lane, which I think is a significant lane in terms of helping people, right? And it's like I said, access to information and access just to opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like it's it's funny. It's like a selfish generosity, right? Because uh, as, as much as one might talk about how hard it is, or as much as uh, we can talk about doing it for being in service of others, it is. Um, personally fulfilling. It's not only kind of you're looking at the mission and you're out here patting yourself on the back for doing for others. I I, I couldn't have it any other way, right? Like it, it, I got to a point where I couldn't have it any other way. So talk to you said you said a little bit about uh, uh, being big on mental health. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Like I'm well, I'm big on 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 all health. So um, you know, as we were just talking, trying to tee this up, I was I was, I was trying to make sure I was able to run and work out. So I think that's like where I do my best thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. I got, it's like, and it's like my time to myself. And I think it's very important that people have time for themselves. Um, I often find myself, you know, overtapped, which I'm sure you are. Cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the leadership team with seed. I still maintain a nine to five, you know, I'm a very active dad. Right. And I'm very active in my community in terms of my friend circle. And so, you know, when you kind of think about the past first mentality, there's tons of ask that are occurring. Right. And so you have to block out time where, either you're giving to yourself or you're allowing other people to give to you. But um, yeah, man, when I was in New York, I was, and I, I just operate this way in general, like I'm running on all cylinders, right? So like very like wired, uh, very competitive. And it was just, it was just exhausting. Right. And so, you know, it was, um, there was a point when I was out there, I had to really get my own mental health in check. Right. Because like that duality Right, those those bifurcated worlds, that gap was too big, and it was just exhausting keeping up, right, and keeping up with the facts and keeping up with the world that is not normal to you. It's literally, you know, the equivalent of you know being in in I don't know China, Hong Kong, and not speaking Mandarin, but you're still operating same capacity. You're still you know required to perform, and you're learning it's an extra job. It's an yeah, it's, right. it's a job on top of the job. Job to yeah, just to show up. It is a job, right, and so. You know, I was fortunate, man, to find some really great resources when I was in New York and really kind of just discover, you know, a bit more about myself and just in terms of, you know, how my own upbringing and or trauma has impacted how I navigate the world and my desires of the world. Right. And so, you know, I encourage, you know, my friends and family members and you know, there's there's a gap in that respect too, <laughs> to embrace, you know, um, you know, therapy, mental health. It's not something that you do when you're sick. It's something it's just like LeBron has. Uh, you know, not only does he have a therapist, but he has a physical trainer, right? Yeah. You know, the mind is a muscle in itself. You want to continue to strengthen it um, and get stronger, be able to, you know, have a sense of pause, right? And not quickly react on many things. And so, you know, that kind of, um, that process has been very helpful to me. And just like I said, allows me 
to find like to carve out time for myself. So a couple of things. One is that it's trying to you know encourage folks to be more open um, as it was ideally with the with a professional, right? A trained professional. But the reality is too, just to be open with your friends, man. A lot of times, uh, many of us are struggling in darkness, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, as a marginalized community and especially a nine to five capacity, what we do is we don't really brag about our success, right? What we do is we work really hard with our heads down and we'll say that somebody will take notice. And so the challenge is when you're working really hard with your head down, there are a lot of bumps and bruises that happen as well. And, you know, you need to be in a position to vent. And in some instances, you may not have a community, whether it be at the workplace or in your own house where people can understand those bumps and bruises, right? So you can surround yourself with people that you can communicate with and really just take that burden off your chest I think that's very important. One example that I always love to give because, you know, I think everybody, most people are competitive in varying ways, right? And it's so, especially in today's social media world, it's so easy to get caught up with what other people are doing and comparing yourself to it. So when I lived in New York, um, I lived and worked on the West Side Highway. It's like right where the Freedom Tower is. It's a long strip, nine miles um, on the West Side of New York, top to bottom. And so I used to always run it. I used to always see tons of run, other runners any time of night, very New York, 4, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever the case may be. Uh, one of my favorite um, authors is Malcolm Gladwell. I'd always see him running out there too. But nonetheless, wow. uh, I would run and maybe I'm like, example was maybe I'm like three miles in a five mile run, right? And I'm running and literally somebody of any shape or size is zooms past me, right? And like, like <laughs> zoom past me, they make a right, right? And so here I am three miles in, I'm, my pace is okay. And I'm questioning myself like, well, am I, should I be running faster? Like what's going on? How did this person who's smaller than me, why, whatever the case may be, have you me running so fast, right? And so, um, you know, it's easy to get caught up on other people's pace, but what you have to quickly realize is context, right? And so the, the what's important on that example is that you don't know if that was their last mile and they were sprinting the mm. last hundred yards. And as soon as they hit that corner, they started walking. Right? <laughs> or you don't know if it's literally their first hundred yards, right? And like they're yeah. like on a two mile run, right? And so what's important is for you to run your own race, right? To execute your plan. And so as it pertains to mental health, it's like not getting caught up with others and being in a position where you can talk to others as well, right? And just to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Uh, I have a daily affirmation that I, I read to myself. And the last line in that is that I run my own race at my own pace toward my own infinite destination. I like that. Yeah, 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 man. That that's I love that example because I have never visualized that. I've just kind of said it. Um, So what's next? What's what's next for you? What's next for seat at the table? Yeah, man. We continue to try to grow and find interesting. Not not only interesting, but entrepreneurs that um, I don't want to emphasize the interesting piece. You don't have to be like this cool product or company, Um, but entrepreneurs that need access to capital and that are willing and or have the skill set to monetize their network and their support group, because that's what really what it is, right? It's like you're raising capital from people that, you know, will consume and are are consuming your products. Um, I think what's one thing we didn't get to, and this is, it kind of talks, it feeds into like, what's the next? So for marginalized community, communities, there are four paths to capital. One is that um, as an entrepreneur, you, you self-fund. So you exhaust your balance sheet, your 401k, your credit cards, whatever the case may be. Two is that if you are fortunate to have a robust friends and family network, that rich uncle that can cut you $100,000, $50,000 or whatever the case may be, or aunt, that's great. Marginalized communities, we don't really have that in spades. And if you even go back to the first point, our balance sheet is significantly less than the majority members as well, right? 
Third is that you go to a bank. You say, hey, Bank of America or any other bank, I have this really interesting business and or this really interesting business idea. I want a loan for X amount of dollars. The bank is going to say, that's great. You could be revenue generating or not profitable or not, but you don't have any collateral. You don't have any assets that will back the loan. So they're less than likely to give you a loan. So there's significant data that shows that we are less likely to get a loan. We're less likely to receive higher interest rates and our loan amounts are, are, are even less, right? And then fourth is venture capital. And what ends up happening is then it's like, well, you have this, you know, this product, and you're like, why well, talk, talk, I reached out to all these VC firms. And, and mind you, the VC community is my client on a nine to five basis. And they're like, oh, we're not a fit. What people have to realize is that venture capital firms and private equity firms are looking for exponential returns. Really venture capital firms are looking yeah. for exponential returns, right? They're looking for a one in a hundred idea, right? And so as incredible as you think your business is, it's not going to be a fit for them because they're looking to maximize returns for their investors. And I left off grants. Grants are another opportunity as well. And this, like that list is not exclusive. I mean, exhaustive. But it's kind of like the traditional framework, right? And so, you know, what we're doing at Seed is that we're saying like, hey, now you have the opportunity to, to monetize your, your follower base, your friend base, your consumer base, and allow them to invest in your product, in your business at the same time as consuming your product, right? And so to go back to your question for Seed is like, we continue to, we're growing, we're trying to educate people that we are an option for entrepreneurs in terms of access to capital. You don't have to shoot for venture capital, um, because that often leads to frustration, right? Um, going it's a to the sliver. It's a, it's a, that's, a, that's a very small sliver of businesses that are venture yeah. and, 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 and banking is going to be a frustration as well, right? And so, you know, for those that are considering raising capital or have businesses, I always say, think, start yesterday. Start aggregating a list of people that you would say, hey, historically that you would, you know, yeah. I mean, that you would reach out to and say like, hey, I'm thinking about doing a round uh, of friends and family rounds. This is a broader definition of friends and family where you can invest 500 to $1,000 if I were to do this, would you be willing to do it? And then, you know, yeah, and that, our, our community has a broader definition of friends and family anyway. Everybody's a cousin. Everybody's, everybody's a cousin. cousin. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> that's my bro. That's my sis. So like, so, you know, to answer your question, what's next? We can, we're like, we're anxious, man. We continue to try to find the right entrepreneurs that understand this and are willing to put themselves out there and be, you know, active in terms of aggregating and community and creating a community. Because the other challenge is that most entrepreneurs think that we can just hang our shingle and people are going to run with the money towards us. And yeah. it's actually the reverse, man. For like every person that is in a position to cut a check, there are literally a hundred to a thousand people that are asking that person for a check, right? And so try to find entrepreneurs early in the process to let them know that we are a resource. And then, you know, we're also trying to do a better job of just educating the broader public in terms of telling them that, hey, we have some interesting or not interesting, I don't want to stop saying we have some companies that may be interesting to them um, that they should invest in. And it is an opportunity. It's possible. Right. You know, as a community, we historically think real estate and I think real estate is a, is a solid asset class, too. But this is an asset class within itself. So education on both the investor and the entrepreneur's um, perspective and just making sure that, you know, we continue to take care of our community. I love it. Uh, so so last and final question I'll ask is, is what does being an uplifter mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it goes back and this is like thematic in this conversation of, um, from, from both of our perspectives is keeping others top of mind. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we, um, you know, me and my friends, we throw around this concept called altruism, unselfish concern for the welfare of others. Right. And so like with that, it's like literally just, you know, being in a position where, you know, how can I be helpful to somebody and not just being so narrow and focused that I'm only trying to position myself and make an ask for myself. Right. And so, you know, I encourage folks to, to, to be mindful and to think broader uh, than themselves. Right. And so being an uplifter is just doing that. It's literally being mindful. Folks, still protect your health, man. Like, don't stress yourself out. Don't fall, in the trap. don't fall into the trap that I fell into. But there are little things you can do 
that will be beneficial to others and show appreciate and others will tremendously appreciate. So I would say, you know, you know, the altruism piece, uh, you know, locked in, tied into my community and being a, a help and a resource to them is equally important as well. Um, and then, you know, once again, just kind of me and uh, um, emphasizing, you know, wellness of all sorts being mental and physical and, you know, and um, any financial help as well. Incredible, man. I appreciate you sharing some wisdom, sharing your time. I love, love, love uh, that you're out there and creating this opportunity. Uh, how can I, uh, I shine a light on what you're doing and, and how, how can folks find you? Yeah, we're, we're on all social media outlets. Um, you know, IG is at seed, S-E-E-D, at the table. Um, the website is seed, S-E-E-D, at the table.com. Uh, feel free to sign up. Uh, for our newsletter, uh, you know, subscribe. We continue to pump out information. We are actually doing um, a small friends and family round now. You can find us listed. You can't launch through your own portal. So we're actually launching through WeFunder. So it should be wefunder.com forward slash seed at the table. Um, and, you know, you can find out more information about the company there. There's some information on us in terms of, you know, a deck and just kind of like our success, the wins that we've had, how we've helped, you know, some, some, some companies in more in meaningful ways, both in dollar and just in terms of just being resourceful. And yeah, you know, continue to tap in. You can find me on LinkedIn. We're here for you. We're always looking for new ideas. We're always looking for new businesses. And we really just want to hear back from the community. Fantastic. Appreciate you, man. Perfect. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you guys. Take care. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and click the notification button so you never miss an episode.